Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, we love you, we love you, we love you. We worship you, we worship you. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. My, the Lord is good. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's real singing, I'll tell you. Real singing. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Praise God. Brother Manley will be thrilled when he gets back to hear how the Lord moved while the choir was singing. I talked with him Friday. I'm just glad he was paying the bill, not me. He called me early afternoon, I think, or late morning, and we talked right at an hour. Oh, that's a long time. We just kept talking and kept talking and kept talking. And I uh, had a feeling he might be a little bit homesick. <clears throat> I told him when he went up there, I said, now six weeks is a long time to be in Alaska in the wintertime. <clears throat> you know, it's a little different when you go. And you stay in someone's home, it's too cold for the kids to play outside. And, of course, uh, uh, he has some precious children, but inside, uh, well, you know how that goes. It just goes. <laughs> Praise God. I'll tell you, when the choir was singing, I really didn't know what I should preach on. Sister Grant has been demanding some time from behind the pulpit. I, I, no idea what you want. I did try to get her to preach tonight. She says, you know, after this morning, I, I don't know why, but she says, I think that I should get some time behind the pulpit. I said, well, you can preach tonight. Would you like to hear her preach? Paul Harvey says the other side of the story. <laughs> Praise God. We have Brother Randy Cabbage with us, and we have a certificate for him. We'd like for Brother Randy to come if he would. <clears throat> Brother Randy has been baptized in Jesus' name, and we're thrilled about this. Praise God. Brother Randy works at Easttown at Radio Shack, and if you need any any knowledge of computers, uh, he's the man to see. He teaches and instructs at MATC, and he has helped uh, many people in this area. And by the way, I have ordered a notebook or laptop, and before long I'm going to be just one of these regular computer whizzes around here. <coughs> telling you I'll be pushing buttons and I'll have more things to say and <laughs> <clears throat> well 
Like, help, Sister Grant says. <clears throat> if you want to preach, you have to come up here. You cannot sit over there and do it. <clears throat> Praise God. I don't know what this is all about. It says Brother Grant on it. You know, I, I'm afraid to open it because, I don't know, I'm just... Uh, would somebody tell me, who, who put this up here anyway? I'd like to know who put it up here before I open it. Nobody's going to fess up. What's that? Well, I don't know about this. I'm going to peep in it before I let anybody else see it. You know, the, the shape of this bottle. You know, I remember one time I was, in, I was in a church in Texas, and there was a brother in the church that was a little on the radical side. Not only was he a little on the radical side, he was just kind of on the side. <laughs> he had something to say about everything. We were singing, I'll fly away, and one time he jumped up and he says, the Bible doesn't say we're going to fly away, and we keep singing this dumb song. He said, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. <laughs> At any rate, he stood up and he says, you know this world, he said, I don't know what it's coming to. He said, just the other day, I was down at 7-Eleven. That was a quick stop. And said, there was a brother in this church, mind you, that uh, was back in the back drinking a can of beer. He said, I saw it with my own eyes. And his wife just took a hold of his coattail, and she pulled his coattail down like this. She, she said, shut up, Brother Reynolds. Oh, I, I didn't mean to give his name, but shut up, brother. <laughs> and she called his name. And he looked at her and said, what's wrong? She said, that was not beer. That was a pop. Now, that's when pop first came out in a can. He looked at her and said, I don't care what it was. It was in a can. <laughs> I don't know what this is, but it... Oh, ho, 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 ho. My, look at this. Uh, bubble, bubble brand, pepper ketchup. <laughs> wow. Who gave me this? Thank you so much. Brother Hawk, did you do this? Who gave me this? Jesus. Cecilia, did you give me this? Boy. Mm. Well, somebody run over to Hardee's and get me some French fries. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. This is gourmet spicy ketchup. The only problem with it is there's only seven and a half ounces. <clears throat> What's that? Where's it made? <clears throat> Let's see. It was made in Henderson, Texas. No, I was kidding. <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina. My. Now it says refrigerate after opening. Would somebody take this and put it in the refrigerator for me? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, lately I've been on, well, actually, I think Sister Grant and Charlie got me on this. <clears throat> now, Charlie has been such a blessing to our household. But our refrigerator has one gallon, I'm not kidding, of jalapenos in the back. Then somebody, Brother Trinidad, brought us this, uh, not a quart, 
maybe about a pint or something. And these are in oil. And they're hot. You know, if you lay it out, if you take one out and put it on your napkin, watch out, it'll set the napkin on fire. <laughs> it's tough. And then Sister Grant has been buying these olives that are stuffed with jalapeno peppers. I, I'll tell you, and it's just everything I've been eating. And then we have, we have, uh, um, what's the red stuff in the, I've already forgotten. Louisiana hot sauce at uh, Tabasco. That, that's Tabasco. Okay. And then we have this pepper sauce. And so I've been using pepper, pepper sauce and Louisiana hot sauce and eating a ripe, not a, they're not ripe olives, green olives with jalapenos, and then taking one of my brother Trinidad's and putting it out there, catching a napkin on fire. <clears throat> and, 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 you know, you get hooked on this. How many of you like hot stuff? How many of you like this, all right? I'll tell you what, I just really do like hot stuff. I don't, I just, you get in a habit of it. And, and see, the, the whole problem is that uh, I like uh, Dr. Pepper. Now, I know we got a lot of Pepsi fans here, but I like Diet Dr. Pepper. And, and the best way to drink it is to put olive juice in it. Just, just fantastic. You can ask Charlie and Sister Grant. I put it in there, and, and I'll tell you, man, it would make an angel wish he were a human being. <clears throat> it's just fabulous, just fantastic. <clears throat> so, well, so much for that stuff. <clears throat> Thank you, whoever gave this to me. I wish they'd let me know because uh, I'll do something very nice for you. <clears throat> who, who did this, really? Let me. Who gave me this? Well, somebody knows. I know. Did you do this, Brother Jeff? Yeah, brother, brother, was it Brother Rossing? He's the one who gave me. A, he gave me for Christmas or I don't know my birthday. I think he gave me. A pound of bologna. I don't know if he's trying to tell me something or... I have no idea. I, I, I like... That's my favorite of all of the lunch meats. Bologna. I love bologna. I'm telling you. When I, was do, when I was building houses every day without fail, I'd go in and I'd get a pound of bologna, a pound of cheese, a box of crackers, and a quart of milk. That's what I ate every day. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But I was doing a lot of work. I was doing a lot of work. I mean, I was working hard, you know. And then, to me, now, the best breakfast... Biscuit you can get is take, to take a cinnamon roll, cut it open, and put two slices of bologna in it. I'm serious with you. You know, that's Sister Grant. I love that. Man, I tell you, bologna in the morning, bologna in the evening. It's, I mean, it's... <clears throat> telling you. 
I started telling <laughs> Sister Coleman some of the things that I like, and she got to looking at me real close. She said, Brother Grant, you have got to have some black blood in you. <laughs> Recently, Sister Grant's been examining me real close. <laughs> I told her, I said, she found a little spot someplace. She said, Sister Coleman, I think it's right. I said, you wait till I go tell her. I said, oh, well, my. You know, well, you just know. Everybody stand, if you would. Boy, we're going to have a great time, Youth Week. Brother Reaver is an outstanding preacher. And his wife can sing. Doesn't she do a great job singing? They do such a good job. We have in this church some very outstanding voices. I really mean that. We could take our singers, those that sing special songs and those that back up, and they could sing professionally. They do that good of a job. Praise God. But there's no need of doing something second class when you can do it for Jesus, you know. Amen. That's right. No need of going second class. You know. <clears throat> Praise God. You know, I've always said if you can be a saint, why stoop to be a king? That's right. Hebrews, the tenth chapter. <clears throat> Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back or retreat, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And you may be seated, and I want to speak tonight on the subject, Advancement, the Way of God's Army. This is the way that God's Army <clears throat> operates. God always moves His people forward. And I think that it is necessary to always have that forward progression that movement. In fact, if you look in the in the scripture, the inference is that if you draw back, that you will go back into sin. Because when you back away from what God wants, you just end up there. You don't really have much of a choice. I've addressed this several times of late, but you know. <clears throat> It's amazing to me when I've seen, I have seen people that, that have backed away from not just the doctrine, but a real on fire walk with God. And I have had others to say, how could they end up doing or believing what they believe? But the truth of the matter is that when you back up and you become displeasing to God and strong delusions come to you, you really don't have a choice 
you end up believing things that perhaps you would not have wanted to believe. But nevertheless, you believed it because you did not follow the leadership of the Spirit. God's Spirit always leads us into victory, not into retreat. Now, there must be progress in order to fulfill the destiny that God has called us to. Now, saints must be encouraged continually in order to advance toward greater spiritual maturity. I am seeing this more and more and more. I am understanding this more than I have ever understood this before. Uh, I look out across the congregation, and really, there are some very, very, very talented, valuable people right here in this place. And some of you are doing so much for the Lord, and some of you, if I could just encourage you, just to to reestablish some goals, just to to, to look uh, toward progress with God in your prayer life, to follow the the, the vision that God has uh, or the direction that God is leading you in. Uh, <clears throat> I I see people that uh, go through a lot of struggling and. And such, and that seems to be common in life. Uh, we've had some people that have really, really struggled, and I think it goes without saying. You know, Brother McDonald was standing behind the pulpit. Sister McDonald has had such a struggle uh, since moving to Madison, and uh, you know, I prayed over this matter. I've sought the Lord. There are times when it. There are times when it just breaks my heart. They've struggled financially and health-wise. Then he's up here, you know, getting such a blessing and speaking in tongues and shaking himself. And, and Brother McDonald, I'll tell you, it just did my heart good to see you do this. It really did. And, and, and I thought in prayer, these people need so much encouragement. They really do. We have, we have had others that have just struggled and struggled and struggled. But it is that continual or that consistent forward progress that brings you out of that particular atmosphere into great victory. I've seen people that have continued to shout the victory when things were not going so good, only later on to hear those people testify about how good God has been and even the material blessings that he has placed upon them. Now, I want to say this without without condemnation, but I think to all of you, you just need to look back and you need to ask yourself, how far have I really advanced in the last year, maybe two years? When is the last time that I really, on a very consistent basis, just every time I walked in the house of God, I was determined I was going to worship. I was going to get a hold of God. 
every time you come in the house of God, you're determined to make the very best of it. That is so important. It really is. When's the last time that you wept, cried, and sobbed in the presence of God? When's the last time you danced in the Spirit? When's the last time you were lost? Just lost in the Spirit with God. You needed something, something definite from God. And I say that because when Paul, the writer of the book of Hebrews, when he addresses this, he prefaces these remarks with verse 37, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now, I really believe that as we enter into this seventh millennium, that this could be the end of the church age on the planet Earth. Now, the big question is, you know, when or how accurate is the Christian calendar? Several people lately have called me, uh, and then some have asked me this at church. We don't really know that, that Jesus was born 0 A.D. We don't know. Most Bible scholars feel that Jesus was born three, four, some even believe five B.C. Now, if Jesus was born five B.C., then uh, this would be the last year of the second millennium since uh, he was born. And we know in the the book of Hosea uh, that uh, it is spoken that after two days I will revive my people and the third day I will live in their sight. And uh, this is speaking of the millennial reign which the Lord will spend two days reviving his people and then the third day he will physically live in their sight. Now, I don't know that the seventh millennium that we're headed toward will start the millennial reign, as we know in the scripture. That is, a thousand years of peace that's found after the tribulation period. I don't know that, but I do know that it will start. we will start into the seventh millennium. Now, whether that be the millennial reign that's spoken of in the book of Revelations, I, I couldn't answer that. But uh, I certainly want my heart prepared. And I am trying my best to keep everybody as encouraged as I possibly can, to stay encouraged as much as I can. I've challenged even some of you who seem to be very discouraged when you come into the house of the Lord. Keep in mind that I am aware that circumstances quite often will lead you into directions away from great victory. But really, you hold the key to getting back on track. And if I come up to you and I almost demand something positive out of you, it's not that I'm condemning you, but it is amazing when you begin to speak favorably, how favorably you feel in your heart. Really. 
It is amazing. And you need a coach on the sideline sometime to coach you that's not involved in what you're involved in. I told people this. I said, now, maybe next week I'll be in the arena of discouragement. And you'll be on the sidelines coaching me. And I have been coached by so many of you. You don't know the number of times that I have not even felt like standing up behind the pulpit and preaching. But people would come by. Oh, Brother Grant, we prayed for you in the prayer room. We're looking forward to you preaching. And my, just did something to me. Got a hold of my heart. Renewed my faith. Renewed my faith. God always points us in the right direction, goes before us and leads us. This is always called the forward progression or advancement. Now Lot's wife in the scripture had some misgiving about the leadership of God. Angels went before and angels went beside her to lead her out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 19.26, the Bible tells us that they told her not to look around, but she was tempted and she turned and looked around and when she looked around the Bible says that she was turned into a pillar of salt. This happened to her because that her heart wasn't in that advancement. She just didn't want to go. Uh, She did not want to leave this city. It was a wicked city. And I, I guess sometimes I get a little bit disturbed when I I feel that Christians are too much involved in this earth and this planet, you know, and the things around stuff and things. Are you willing to leave all these things behind you to go to higher ground? You know, if you're not, you probably won't go to higher ground. And maybe that's the reason why you're struggling so in your walk with God. Now, I'm going to have to keep on marching. I'm going to have to keep on preaching. I'm going to have to keep on believing. But at the same time, it is quite sad. When I look back and I know of people that prayed at the altar, that sought God, that danced in the Spirit, that wept in the prayer rooms, but they don't do that anymore. It's almost like they're too mature. They've outgrown God. You know, just... They mature past or beyond uh, that particular point. Drawing back is not always intentional, you know. Just a steady pressure put on you sometimes will cause you to make backward steps. And sometimes it occurs oh so slowly. You don't really realize that you've gone back. Sometimes it's only drifting thoughts of yesteryear and things that pleased you and enticed you. Sometimes that's all it is. Our focus then seems to turn from the things of God to the things of the flesh. So the monumental thing is, what can I do for myself? And what can I do for my family? And God becomes secondary. Now, I don't want you to feel that I don't think it's necessary that you take care of your family. But I will say this, the greatest compliment that you can give your family is a real introduction to a spiritual walk every time the church doors are open. 
That's the best thing you can do for your children. Our heart then drifts away, and then, of course, we slip backwards, and sometimes we're not realizing we're going backwards. <clears throat> Tell this story on myself, but uh, <clears throat> just pretty much proves a point. Not too long ago, I came in, and I've just had some sinus headaches. It's almost like, you know, I, I was just kind of drifting. You know, you, you just, if you never had these these headaches like this. I've had headaches, and uh, most of my children have had headaches. John, and Roy, and and uh, Steve, and Sister Grant. She gets some headaches, but not as much. But uh, years ago, I had migraine headaches. I mean, to the point I thought I was going to die, and I wasn't really for sure what it was. I did a lot of praying, a lot of fasting, a lot of reading in the Scripture, and I really thank the Lord that He delivered me from the tight headaches that I had in the past. But I came in and I was just, oh man, I was tired. I got into a recliner, and this recliner, I mean, it just lays out flat. So I was in this recliner. Sister Grant was talking on the phone. And so she was walking kind of over toward me, and, and I, what happened was I, I, I felt like the room was going around, like I was drifting or falling. You know how you feel? And, and so I, I told my wife, I said, uh, she was just listening, you know, some, some conversations, you know. You talk with some people and you just listen. Uh, this was a conversation where she was doing a lot of listening. Now, whoever she was talking to probably knows about this because of what happened. So I'm not accusing you of, of just babbling and not letting her talk. She usually finds room to get... Uh, well, <laughs> she's a good listener, and <laughs> I'm not going to get in trouble tonight. No, <laughs> but <clears throat> would you believe that what I assumed was just a kind of a a, fit, a mental type thing? The the problem was that this chair I was in was actually tipping, <laughs> and I didn't know it. And all of a sudden, I felt like my feet were way up in the air, and my head was well on the floor, and I opened my eyes, and I am not standing behind this pulpit if my head wasn't, we have a window that goes down to the floor, and my head was right in the window, and my feet were up like this, I was, Sister Grant had to go hang up the phone and come over, I couldn't get out of that chair, I was afraid I'd fall through the window. I thought, now how did this happen to me? It's because I was just moving so slowly. You know, I was just kind of lulled, and, and it was almost like I had a hypo shot or something. I don't know if you've ever been put to sleep and they give you these hypos, and all of a sudden the room, you know, you can go to sleep on a staircase when that happens to you, you know? Just wow. And that, that was the feeling I had. And so there I was going backwards, tipping, going back down, down, down. I didn't even realize it. <clears throat> Now, you see, in this day and age that we live in, the people of God must be continually encouraged to move ahead. And they need strong leaders, whether it be me, uh, whether it be Brother Eckenrod with the young people, whether it be some other minister, Sunday school teacher, choir leader. It's making a difference who it is. We've got to give this our very best shot. 
because we don't have long. We really don't have long. It said in Hebrews 12 verse 2 that what kept Jesus going toward the, the cross was the joy that was set before him. He, he seemed to never deviate from, from what was before him. There it was. And when persecution came and pain came and ridicule came and, and everything that came, and people accused him of blasphemy and everything else, there was something that was before him. What do you think it was? He saw you. He looked all the way. All the way to February 19, 1995. And he saw you. And that's why he kept going. And I think that what we need to do, we need to see something greater than just what's happening right here around us. We need to see something greater than this circumstance that we're in. We need to see something greater than, than the situation that we've been involved in. I remember Brother J.T. Pugh telling this when he preached a message. And it was just, it, it was just he said, a great man of God, a, a preacher, uh, whose son was killed in the war. And he said he was standing by his son's casket. And uh, there was a lady that came up. And, and she made something. You know, some comment, trying to console this man. And he looked at her and said, My question is, where was God when my son died? Now, he was a preacher. But he allowed that to embitter him. And this precious saint of God that was kind of a little nobody, really, God used her, and she looked at him, who happened to be her pastor, and she said, well, I guess he was the same place he was when his son died. And the preacher dropped his head, and he took a fresh look at this. He looked beyond the war scene. He looked beyond the shrapnel that blew his son in half. And he saw this young man who was Christian through and through. And all of a sudden in his mind, he began to visualize his son in a better place than some war-torn country. Do you know that God is coming back to this planet Earth to take us out of all this? You know that? He's got a beautiful place prepared for us. And if somehow we could also keep in mind the joy that is set before us. We're starting a Tuesday night outreach service in the Simpson Street area. Madison has been concerned about this area for some time. Some of you precious people live over there. And, and I read about it in the paper. There's been crime in that area. There's been drugs in this area. It's not the only bad spot in Madison. You know, there's bad spots all over. And, 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 but I am thankful that God has not only placed some Christians over there, but saved some people. I think that we have the answer 
I think we have the answer for the saving of this community. And we have some brothers and sisters that will be going over there and sacrificing yet another evening of their time. And the reason why is because they see more Cecilias that will be coming to that meeting. People that are blood washed. Filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus talked to his disciples about this forward progress, this advancement. He warned them saying, if any man puts his hand to the plow and looketh back. He said in Luke 9.62, he is not fit for the kingdom of God. I want to talk about Israel's advancement when they left Egypt. I think, you know, you go back to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus actually covers about 216 years of time. Most of it's spent on the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But when you go back and you look at this, it, it is just, it's really something. Moses was called of God. Moses had a divine purpose for being born. I thought this morning while we were uh, dedicating this precious little girl, and uh, some of you were not in here, but uh, we have coming to our church on Sunday morning a couple that moved from Eau Claire. They do need encouragement. Uh, Todd and Melissa Puhala. And if you can possibly get around to meeting them, most of you did this morning. But I thought, you know, every person born in this world has a purpose. I mean, they're, they're not just in this world just to be here. They, they have a purpose. Now, I don't know if you sense in your life that there is a purpose for your existence, but there is. I think some of the, the saddest pages of the Bible is when you go through the genealogy. Someone was born, they lived, they died, they had sons and daughters, and that's all you ever know. And seemingly, that's all that was ever accomplished. But I would like to add something to a statement I made not too long ago. I said, it seems like that the total scope of history has been directed and shaped by just a handful of men. And I'm not really for sure that my statement was right. I think God put some people in the forefront. But, you know, Moses had men to hold up his hands when the battle was bad. Joshua had men who were willing to fight the Canaanites. Abraham had servants and men who were able to, to go alongside of him and support him. So it does seem that, that in, in the backdrop of, of, uh, of the lives of these great men that shaped history, there was always just a host of people that were equally as important. And, and I hope that all of you feel that what you're doing here at Calvary Gospel Church is extremely important to the salvation of souls in this community. Every person here is important. Every dollar you give in the Sunday school helps reach somebody through our bus ministry. Every dollar you put in the offering plate helps educate someone in our Christian school. 
Every time you come to the house of God and you lift up your hands, you're contributing to the salvation of some soul when they see the glory of God upon your face. Every trip you make to the prayer room and every tear that you shed and you call somebody's name in prayer, it assists in the overall work of God. You stand behind the pulpit and sing. Sister Cindy Thornton, and she has had what I consider a less than desirable life as far as comfort and such. She's had her share of pain and trouble. But to stand here with the glory of God radiating from her face, singing the praises of God, to touch some lost soul that enters into the house of God, or encourage some saint. We recently had some of our people in the hospital. Sister Rose Ojo, who was up here singing, just did my heart good to see her. And Brother Jeff standing here praising the Lord. You know, we're when you minister behind this pulpit, you assist people that have gone through some very dark valleys, some very trying moments. Brother Jeff trying to make a major decision about surgery that the doctors have, have recommended. He doesn't really know what to do. I can't make up his mind for him, neither can you. But I'll guarantee you one thing with the support group that he has around him. If he will conscientiously seek God, the right answer will come. I believe that with all my heart. Praise God. But you see, we're all marching. Israel, I see 400 years of bondage, slavery, people being beaten. These were God's people. They were Abraham's seed. God had promised Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed because of him. And he did not have in mind the raising of crops in the land of Goshen. And when God determined that the people of the sons of Jacob were to leave, he sent forth a leader by the name of Moses. Moses had a spokesman, his brother, by the name of Aaron. Sometimes you look and you think, oh, it was just it was just Moses. Well, it was not just Moses. It was Moses plus a host of people. But nevertheless, Moses usually gets the credit. God said, let my people go. Ten plagues came to the household of, of Pharaoh. Not the household, but the, the whole land. The tenth plague was the death angel. The death angel was to come, and the death angel was to visit the firstborn, the eldest of each person in Egypt. And it did. Israel was prepared. They had their bags packed. They had the blood of the slain animal placed upon the doorpost and upon the lentils. This is where we get the word Passover, when the death angel was to see the blood, was to pass over, not touch them. And at midnight, I can hear the scream and cries of children, and even some older than children, dying, choking to death. When God determines something, my friend, it cannot be stopped. I think one of the most encouraging scriptures I've ever read, 
I read where the Apostle Paul instructed the church, you can do nothing against the church but for the church. When God purposes advancement for the church, you can do anything you want to do, my friend, but you will not stop, stop that forward progress. You cannot. And the best thing you could do, if you become disgruntled and you're out of favor with the church, the best thing you can do, if you want to hurt it, is to say nothing. Because everything that you mean to be bad against the church, God will turn it around and advertise the cause and, and create advancement. You can do nothing against it but for it. Wasn't that what Joseph said when Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers and his brothers wept and cry, cried and they repented and Joseph said, you meant it for harm but God meant it for good. Because it had been prophesied that it was going to be that way and it's going to be that way. And I hear the scream and the cries of the Egyptians Pharaoh now becomes very willing. He runs out and finds Moses and said, Get these people and get them out of here. We don't want them in here anymore. And so that's exactly what Moses did. And he marched them down by the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, the scouts came and said, Moses, there is a problem. Behind us is a group of soldiers in fact a very large group it looks like Egypt's entire army now the Bible tells us <clears throat> that where they crossed the Red Sea that there was a mountain on the right and a mountain on the left and of course the sea in front and they were in this long valley there was absolutely no way to escape you either surrender and give up or you expect a miracle from God. And that's it. Stretch forth his rod across. And then he said, we're going to move forward. Now, it's, it's amazing because he told him to stand still. But then he uses the word forward. Now, I looked up the word forward in the Hebrew. And actually, it is making reference to the move. Pulling up of the stakes that have been driven deeply into the soil. The rolling up of all the ropes that have held them securely. The binding of all the poles. The collecting of all of the, the skins and such. And moving from one location to another. And here they are. And here's the Red Sea. You know what God did? God opened that sea for them. You're not going back where you came from. It's not my desire. I didn't call you out into this world to destroy you. I'm going to take you across the sea. I didn't bring you this far to let you down. And he parted the waters and they walked across. Now the amazing thing is, listen to this, the amazing thing is, that the very thing that saved them was the trap that God had set for the enemy. I can see Pharaoh. He said, we got them exactly where we want them. They can't go up this hill. It's too steep. They can't go up this hill. And they certainly can't swim these ten miles 
or whatever the Red Sea was. We have them. But that was a trap that God had set for the enemy. And, you know, they began to walk across on dry ground. And when they got through the Red Sea, Pharaoh looked at that and thought, I'm going to take advantage of this same miracle. I'm going to go after them. That was exactly what God designed, a trap for them. They got out right in the middle of the Red Sea. And you know what God did? The hand of God that held the waters back quickly lifted. And that curtain of water closed in on top of them. Collapsed. And further judgment was brought against the Egyptians. God will move all of hell out of place to see you have victory if you're sincere with Him. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart. God set a trap for the armies of Egypt. Now, when they got across, they went to Sinai and they, they camped there. Then the cloud appeared in the daytime and then there was also a pillar of fire that came by night. But four signals regulated their forward march. You can find this in Numbers, the ninth chapter and the tenth chapter. Number one, the first signal was the lifting of the cloud. The second was the blowing of the trumpet. The third was the moving of the army. And the fourth was the prayer of victory. Each one of these, I believe, are so very significant and also applicable to us today. First, the moving of the cloud. You know, when God moves, we need to move. Praise God. When God moves upon you to worship, you know what you need to do? You need to worship because that's forward progress. See, God doesn't back you up. He always leads you forward. You may say, oh, I just, I don't know about that. I just, you ever feel like you're just stuck to your seat and you just can't get up and you can't lift your hands and, you know, the word forward means pull up those stakes, son. Roll up the ropes. Bind up all the poles. You know, collect all the skins. Get it all together. Let's move. God was moving tonight. I know that many of you pulled up your stakes then. It's during this precious moment that you recommit yourself to God and say, Lord, I'll go wherever the cloud goes, so to speak. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I drove up to Appleton. We had our sectional conference up there and spent the night with Brother Bridges in his home just north of Appleton. And when we drove from Oshkosh, we got on Highway 40. I don't know what highway it was now. 44, I think it is. That goes to Ripon from from uh, Oshkosh. And you go across there, and, and, and then you get on Highway 23, and you drive Highway 23 all the way to Highway 51. And then we took Highway 82 down to G, and then went down close to the Dells to Brother, to brother uh, Decker's church. <clears throat> the truth of the matter is, there's not one church in that 100-mile stretch that I know of that preaches and teaches the truth 
as we know it in the Bible. It's going to be in these worship services like this when God is moving. You're rolling up your your ropes and pulling up your stakes. You're telling God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. It's in services like this that God calls young men and young women to accept the challenge. I'll go, Lord. I'll go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. We're not safe. Ever. We're not safe. Ever. Outside of the purpose and the will that God has for us. Never, never, never. Then the blowing of the trumpet, the blowing of the trumpet, it was blown not just to let the common people know, but it was to collect the army together. It was a signal. Something is about to happen. It's time to move. I'll tell you one thing. I believe with all my heart that now is the time for us to wake up the church. Wake up each other. Blow the trumpet loud. Get prepared to move out. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is coming back to this part of earth soon and very soon. And he will not tarry. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blow the trumpet inside. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. And then the next thing that they were to do, they were to watch for the moving of the army. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And that's what we're seeing here at Calvary Gospel Church. We're saying college church, Tuesdays, 7 o'clock prayer, 7.30 is the service in Union South. Speaker John Seidel. Praise God. There's a real army down there. Praise God. That's why we say Tuesday night in the Simpson Street area, we're going to have an outreach over there. God's arm is moving out. Praise God. You know what God's about to do for Calvary Gospel Church? He's about to lead us into some ground we've never walked on before. He's about to take us into the promised land. It's advancement, forward progress, all the way. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Last year, 40 people on the bus routes received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We're believing this year it's going to be even more. Last year when I started praying about a 100-soul revival, the first thing that came to my mind, can we really have a 100-soul revival? I am convinced we can have a 100-soul revival. I declare to you tonight again, we need to believe that from Easter to Pentecost Sunday, we'll have the greatest outpouring, the greatest explosion of the power of the Holy Ghost in the city of Madison that Madison has ever known, that Calvary Gospel Church has ever experienced. But we got to keep each other encouraged. We can't do this by condemning each other. We've got to lift each other up and encourage each other. 
Praise God. Every time you stand behind this pulpit to sing, make sure you edify the body. Every time you shake hands with someone, make sure you have an encouraging word. If you want somebody to come to the prayer meeting and they're not coming, the best thing to do, don't condemn them, but encourage them to come. Ask them and ask them to politely, but pray that the power of God will use you to stir them. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me tell you something, my friend. This is the day and this is the hour. We cannot play church. No, not for one moment. Not for one service. We cannot waste one service. And you young people who are here, listen to me. The Usually what happens at Youth Week is that the first few services, you kind of sit back and, and, and you wait for that special move, that special charge. I'm here to tell you, the cloud's moving already. The trumpet's already been blown. The armies are collected. They're ready to march out to new ground. You need to go into Youth Week on fire, full of the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't you dare wait until everybody leaves. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then the last thing before they left, they gave a big prayer of victory. Now, the prayer of victory was not because that they had won a victory where they were, but they prayed in advance before their trip that God would give them a victorious trip wherever they were going. Praise God. Prayer of victory. Praise God. The armies are moving out. The clouds out in front. The trumpet's been blown. Let's all stand. This is what they'd say. And let's lift our hands now. Let's give a prayer of praise and victory to Jesus or to God. He's going to take us to new ground, to new land. It's advancement. We're going to the promised land. Oh, hallelujah. Forty years of wandering in the wilderness because they failed God. But now... They're about to go across Jordan. I see a new leader has been chosen. His name is Joshua. And Joshua gathers them all together, and this is what he tells them. He said, we're going across this land, and I want you to understand, you have never gone this way heretofore. And I feel in my heart destiny calling. God moving up on me. Pull up your stakes. <laughs> Keep your tent mobile. Move when God moves. I see all of Israel standing on his tiptoes watching. They want to make sure that the, the priests do this right. <clears throat> priests were to go beforehand. Joshua was the first. He was to lead them. He was their leader. I see the Ark of the Covenant is just brought out. It's covered with badger skins. These skins represent the presence of God covered with skin when Jesus came into the world. God hid himself from the face of man under the skin of man. But Jesus has gone before us. I see the priests as they come. They take the long staves and they carefully thread through the rings on the side. Because the law that was given to them says this ark must be carried very carefully. And each one of those that were to carry it were to get a hold of a stave and pick it up, hoist it up, and was to be carried on the shoulders of the sons of Kohath. They stood breathless 
as they watched the ark lifted up. We're going to new ground. And let me tell you something. Jesus said, if I, if I be lifted up in the earth, I will draw all men. Praise God. When our choir is lifting him up and when you're lifting him up, it's time to move. It's time to go into the promised land. Did you know that God has given us exceeding great and precious promises? And some of you, all you need to do is just make sure you get your tent all rolled up, and the stakes and everything withdrawn from the ground. You're ready to march. And so they walked down to Jordan River. I don't know what it would have been like when Joshua took his foot and when he put it down on the river. I don't know. I've often wondered. But when he touched that river with the soles of his feet, the water literally parted. And they marched across on dry ground. God will make a way in the midst. God will make a way in the midst of some of the most adverse things you have ever seen. Some of you may not believe that one year from now, that all the circumstances that have brought such great sorrow to you could be totally wiped away and you'd be living in great victory. Praise God. The miracle at Jericho, not a shot was fired. You know, I, I thought of the Civil War. There's one part of it that just intrigues me, and that's part of the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, we have some people here that are kind of history buffs. They, they know all about it. My son Roy will probably come up to me after service and say, Dad, you didn't tell that story quite right. Maybe Brother uh, Vern Bronson. Brother Vern has a, a Union Army uniform. I don't know if it's an officer's uniform or what, but I've seen all of his pictures, private I've seen all of his pictures, and I've seen these big camps, and he's participated in them. It's kind of a reenactment of all this stuff. But <clears throat> some people feel that this battle was one of the turning points of the Civil War. The Union Army had gathered there, and, of course, the Southern Army under General Lee. And this was uh, <clears throat> to be a very fierce contest. It just so happened that the Union Army occupied the high ground just beyond Cemetery Ridge, which is the, the place that most people died. But of all the regiments stretched out across, the, one division after the other in the regiments and such. On the southwest corner of this, I, I think my direction is correctly, this is where they said that probably the southern army would come up because it was not as steep as some of the terrain on, on the northeast and then on the northwest part. And <clears throat> so there was a, a captain by the name of Chamberlain took a regiment of men, 65. He was told by the commanding officer, you cannot retreat. There's no way. If you retreat... The whole Union Army will be wiped out. Now get that out of your mind. They told him, you can not retreat. 
because you're the last flanker over here. And if they come around on this side, they'll have us surrounded on both sides. They didn't feel they'd come up behind them. And the reason because the terrain was so steep there. And so here's Captain Chamberlain with his 65 men. This battle, total battle of Gettysburg, I think lasted a couple of days. 53,000 American people died in this battle. The Civil War that we fought in the 1860s was the bloodiest battle we've ever been involved in. Over 600,000 American soldiers died. More than all of the wars that we fought combined. <clears throat> but wave after wave after wave of southern soldiers, some 20-something thousand that came, one after the other. Now, they weren't just hitting Chamberlain, but they were hitting the whole division of men, uh, the various regiments all the way down. And then the southern army retreated. <clears throat> and when they retreated, Chamberlain found out that they had shot their last shot. They had no more ammunition. And so several men came up and said, Chamberlain, or Captain, we must retreat. He said, no, the orders were, we cannot. If we retreat, the whole Union Army will fall. And so he got alone, and he began to think as to what to do. He called all of his men together, not 65 anymore. Many of them were dead. He says, here's what we're going to do. You take your guns out, and you put your bayonets on, and we're going to charge down the hill against the remaining southern soldiers that are in this regiment or however many. And they put those bayonets on, knowing that they did not have one shell to fire. And they charged down that terrain toward the southern, southern army. And they were screaming this cry of victory. Now, the problem was that the southern army had been greatly uh, injured. Many of them had been destroyed. But there were still, they were outnumbered. This regiment was outnumbered. But there was something about that victory cry. There was something about that attitude, we will not retreat. And when they charged down with their bayonets, guess what happened? The remaining survivors of the southern regiment, they threw down their guns and surrendered. They marched them up the hill as prisoners of war, guarding them with unloaded guns. Nobody knew. But one captain who said the orders were, we cannot retreat because we would do 
irreparable damage to the Union Army. I cannot go down in defeat. And neither can you. We may not feel like we have one shot left in our gun. But if the captain from on high said, move forward. Whatever we have to do, let's charge the enemy with a cry of victory. Let's believe we can take Madison for Jesus Christ. Let's believe we can set the captives free. Let's believe there's deliverance in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. With great confidence, we may not have gone this way here to four, but let's march around our Jericho. Would you believe when Israel marched around Jericho, they did not even have a slingshot in their pockets. All they had was a trumpet to blow. Six days they marched, and on the sixth day they marched around seven times. And at the end of the seventh trip on the sixth, seventh day, they blew the trumpet according to God's plan. And the walls fell down flat. You may say, Lord, I can't do much. I'm just just an altar worker. <laughs> you need to laugh at the devil. So you're an altar worker. <laughs> you can do a lot. <laughs> I can't do much. I, I'm just a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> so you're a Sunday school teacher. You know what our captain said? He said, upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. And those keys have been passed down to us, my friend. We can unlock the prison doors. We can set the captives free. Oh, hallelujah. With fear we can pull them out of the fire. But how many people are still enslaved? How many people are still locked up? How many people are still entrapped? How many people are still victimized? Because we do not have our marching orders down according to the plan of the captain. I must be used. No retreat. Forward progress all the way. Advancement. The way of God's army. I'd like for you to stand with me at this time.
Children, I have shown you the land. Go forward and possess it. I will fight for you. I will be with you. Go forward and possess it. It is yours for the taking. Go forward and possess it. I will fight for you. Oh, God. Oh, Lord of heaven. Lord of heaven. Lord of heaven. Lord of heaven. We want our praise singers to come. Lift your hands right now in a victory prayer. Lift your hands right now in a victory prayer. All over the building. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Victory, victory shall be mine.